um, and more whipping solos. I was like <laughs> digging the shit out of those. I'm definitely gonna cut that out though. <laughs> that was weird. I love and that, like, that noise was cool. I don't know. <laughs> do it <laughs> oh no, no i was just saying that'll be our fifth uh album when we uh, make a a change dj we'll go into the dj industry. <laughs> yeah. when you pivot to a radiohead cover band you gotta you yeah know. absolutely go ahead dubstep dga <laughs> <laughs> welcome fanatics this is the latest entry in the diary of doom i'm dylan and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom when it's your sound based on the counted tales of its followers Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you may get your podcasts from. And if you have a question or what have you, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And normally, I'd uh, have a humorous and somewhat vague intro to provide uh, for our guests this week. But uh, unfortunately, I uh, did not have the opportunity to do so. So um, I'll, uh, I'll improvise by saying that I like string cheese and uh, <laughs> I like nine layers deep as much as I like string cheese, which is a lot. Awesome. <laughs> um, I also but... like string cheese. Hell yeah. <laughs> there we go. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, the band joining us this week is Nine Layers Deep. Uh, they're from Buffalo, New York, and we are joined by Dan and Jim and Alisa. And Dan plays the drums and Jim plays the guitar and Alisa is on vocals and baritone guitar, which we'll definitely address at some point down the line in the interview. Um, so thank you for coming on Diary of Doom. Thanks I'll for having us. You know, prior to like getting together in this band uh what was uh each of your like musical upbringings like did you have like a musical like childhood was it in your family or did you kind of find it like on your own well my grandfather used to own a music store in buffalo new york so long before i was around it was a mcfarland music on tano on the street and then 60s just department stores whatnot just put them out of business so that's pretty much my background there but Started playing guitar when I was 13. Went to school for music. Got a degree in music education. Don't use it. Doesn't matter. Rather just play than teach it, I guess. And then uh, and that's uh, that's my background. There. For me, uh, I grew up. Uh, my grandmother was a music teacher. Uh, my dad played a little guitar, uh, a little uh, Chuck Berry. And uh, for me, I, I joined band back in the day. And uh, much to my parents. Dismay, I chose drums. 
so I started playing on a bunch of random drums and pots and pans uh, back in the day and been playing ever since. Played a little guitar here and there. Uh, played in some uh, some bands growing up and uh, was away from music for a while. And now I'm back here playing with these guys. And for me, um, I would think that, I mean, I always had, we always had music on in the house, no matter where I was. Always on in the car, the radio was always on. There's like a thing in my family that like, if the radio wasn't on when I was really little, I would scream bloody murder until somebody turned it on. And then at one point my mom's radio died on a long car ride and she had to like sing to me until her like throat just like could not do it anymore. But I started playing guitar when I was like nine and I started seriously playing guitar when I was 14. I just kept going from there. I used to, I, I think by the end of my high school experience, like my senior year, I was in three or four different choruses. I was in like every music class that you could take, except for like band or orchestra. And I, I just really loved going to shows and I love being around live music settings. I loved going to big concerts. That was a big thing for me. Eventually I was just like, well, I want to do that. I got sick of being on the audience side of things, I wanted to be on the other side. And it's still a thing that I feel like when I go to concerts today, like I, it's hard for me to just like enjoy myself as a audience, audience participant. You know, it's like, I, I'm like, no, I, I know what goes on back there and I want to be back there. But yeah, I started just trying to get more serious with the music maybe about like 10 or 11 years ago. And I went to open mics and just did terrible brunge 90s covers, like the worst thing you probably ever heard. Like, just as long as I could. Through that, I ended up making connections through the music scene and, you know, I mean, and a diverse network, actually, not just like punk or metal or, you know, whatever. It was like, I ended up knowing a lot of people. and Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> and like, through that, finally found a couple of you know avenues that I wanted to explore I did a solo thing for a while I joined I started a grunge band that was very short-lived I was in a couple other side projects but then um, when I started Nine Layers Deep that was what I wanted to focus all my musical energy on and then I brought Jimmy into the fold and we've been kind of going strong ever since and that was like eight years ago yeah. Damn. First concert? Like the first one you went to. First one you saw. It might be uh, The Who. Okay. With, uh, Quadrophenia. Billy Idol, Ziggy Stardust, uh, Ringo Sunder, Zach Starkey was playing drums. It was my first big concert. First thing they got me into was Integrity. Saw them at a dive bar in Lockport, New York before they before they got big. So right before mm -hmm. they signed a victory. And that was what pulled me into the underground, I guess. It pulled me under and <laughs> he wanted to do this, so that's uh, <laughs> yeah. it was yours. rock and roll ever since. Believe it or not, my first concert was Dragon Force. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rules. That's so cool. Did the they movie. play through the fire and flame? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Of course they did. <laughs> they weren't as good as uh, on the album. So. Can you imagine if they didn't though? Like everyone shows up to see Dragon Force, and they're just like, "We're not gonna play that Guitar Hero song." <laughs> My first concert was actually, it was no doubt on their Tragic Kingdom tour in 1997 and the Vandals opened for them. 
And I very distinctly remember, I was, I was like nine at the time. I very distinctly remember Gwen Stefani telling all the, the girls in the crowd to turn to the nearest guy and be like, fuck you, I'm a girl. <laughs> and like, the guardians with me were like, oh no, no, no. And I'm just like, ah! like thumb, like fingers in the air, swearing at the top of my little lungs. Like, it was very cool. Mine was Smash Mouth. <laughs> Dude, what era? Uh, I think kind of still in like their good era. So I guess that was like pretty early on. It was definitely like after Shrek time. came out. <laughs> I, okay, I get so much shit for this, but Fushu Mang is one of my like favorite punk ska albums of all time. I think it gets, they get a lot of shit because they were the Shrek band. But like, if you go listen to Fushu Mang, like, Going I didn't know that's what the, one of their albums was called. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the one that Walking on the Sun is is on. It's it's silly. It's it, Moserite guitar is pretty cool. Yeah, they play with yeah. Moserites. It's just on that song. Oh, it's so. Yeah. Well, throughout the album, I think they play with it too. But they got silly songs, man. Like, it's like a weird cross section of like they're almost like Weird Al at some point, but like a punk ska version of it. Ah, Steve Harwell is not even in the band anymore. That's crazy. He like is that band. What? Huh? Says he retired. Well, hmm. he's the all star. <laughs> Making money off memes, probably. For sure. So when did you uh, start to like get into heavier music? And do you each have like a landmark album that kind of made you look at heavy music in a different way? I'd be integrity. They're just heavy mm -hmm. away when I was 13 and I bought their CD, uh, Misha, those for fear tomorrow, uh, from the verse table. And my favorites ever since game changer there. I'd say corn issues or Nirvana. Nevermind for me. I brought in issues to show and tell in elementary school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Oh man, I look at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you got a rock. Look at this. <laughs> That's awesome. Real rock. Uh oh my god. I would say that it's a toss because like I always listened to like the classic rock station growing up. So like there was elements of metal, like, but I would think my biggest introduction to it would be like my mom gave me a copy of Judas Priest Sin After Sin on vinyl when I was Hell like, yeah. I, oh God, I was really young. And I just remember being like, this is cool. And like listening to it, like this is music that I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to listen to. And it was, it was awesome. And then like, I did find, I did find a live album of Nirvana's at the public library that I got in trouble for never taking back because I would just like hoard it. It wasn't Muddy Banks. It was like a single or something that like was just in my public library that you could rent. And the I radio promotions. It could have been. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. But yeah, definitely, definitely Nirvana there. Um, so you talked about it like a little bit, but like, can you talk about how the band came together and like, was it spawned out of like the music scenes that you were like kind of traversing and whatnot when i started the band i was living and kind of like running a punk house but i was into heavier music so i wanted i started booking metal bands and bringing you know crossover bands through um i just 
started jamming with people. Like originally it was just me and another drummer and we were a two piece. And I think we played one show and it was just this jamming and we didn't really, we didn't practice much after that. Um, but then Jimmy and I started hanging out together. I was like, well, do you want to jam? And he's like, yeah. And we started jamming and we like the first jam we jammed, uh, like we wrote the song Fury Beauty like we were jamming that that's like one of the songs on our first album so it was just really cool to do that i still i still the recording from that like the tape recording and then like the guy was we were drumming with wasn't like around anymore he was in a different band so i called up one of my friends who i used to jam with just for fun back in the day and i was like do you want to come jam with me and this dude who's on guitar and he's like yeah so my friend kevin shows up and we we were playing in the basement and like somebody thought that there was a show going on like in the house like one of the roommates thought that there was a show happening and was like what the fuck is a show night fuck but like that just made us feel good because it's like if you think that that's that our practice our first practice as a band we don't suck yeah we don't suck <laughs> <laughs> good and so uh but yeah so uh just through that summer like we ended up and we were working together and then like you know kevin came in full-time i think in that in the fall and uh we just went from there with it and started to just try to play wherever like where we could and then at that point i had gotten a job in a venue so like we always kind of had a stage to play like we were just jumping on you know last minute shows that people needed to fill in for or you know and then we were kind of still honing our our sound too. Like it was like we read Baby Fresh Legs, and we were like, we want to be the Melvins, and like that's such a hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty high bar. Yeah, like we're like, no, we could do it. We got it. But uh, yeah, we found out real quick we were not the Melvins. <laughs> I don't want to be the Melvins. Yeah, I don't want to be the Melvins anymore. I want to be me. Yeah, and like in regards to your sound, um, I feel like it's kind of like a little bit fresh sometimes it's got this like a freshness to it where I'm like, Oh, this kind of feels like a, a song. Like it has like some movements and stuff. And like this part's like pretty fast and it has like kind of a more like structure to it, but sonically it kind of reminds me of like the Southern sludge movement from the 2000s to the 2010s. It's not quite as caustic. I think that's it. It's not quite as like, aggressive and like yeah. dirty as like the nola bands and stuff like that so there's a little more like melody and complexity like those atlanta bands like black tusk and baroness and kylesa had to offer but yeah. like maybe i'm wrong and you could tell me <laughs> who you're influenced when you play and when you record and whatnot oh god probably like max cavalera uh, sepultura mm -hmm. god this fan right here, which is uh, Justin Brock's birthday today. So I'm wearing the shirt. So Happy birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> be, a big nerd, be a big nerd like that. But uh, yeah, just sounds like that. Like Paige Hamilton from Helmet. Just listen to him growing up. Like, just that heavy music. And yeah, ACDC even, I guess. Judas yeah. Priest. That's sort of the noodly stuff. Because like when, we, when we're like doing songs and writing them, a lot of the times, like it starts off with like, he'll have a, very, like, heavy with that. Yeah. yeah. Like he'll he'll have like a riff idea, like he'll play it to me, and a lot of his stuff actually is very classically driven. I feel like, and it's like it's hard sometimes when like you're either trying to learn it or do like a vocal melody to it because it's just like 
that's a classical riff almost and it's like it's like you feel weird just screaming at the top of your lungs over it but it, do opera i guess i guess i was gonna say i could do an aria but i don't want to um <laughs> but yeah um but the the early 2000s like sludge stuff yeah. for sure like i love all of that it's like a hardcore background too like just going i started going to like hardcore shows when i was young and just played in hardcore bands so probably a little of that carries into it oh for sure to the sound that's yeah. in there too and like when it comes to like oh this is a song it's because like i think that that comes from me having been like a solo singer songwriter for a while i've kind of like grown out of that like thing where it's like oh it has to be like a structure like verse chorus verse verse chorus. you know what i mean like you know i used to want to do that that thing the whole way through but now it's just kind of like you can have a structure and not have it be the the typical structure and like you can get through a song yeah <laughs> it depends on the song too because yeah. like i know sometimes we when we were uh, writing stuff we're like what do we want for this song this song seems like it needs to be longer or shorter yeah um you know we try to go for some different stuff different right. feels on different songs to not so it's not all one thing it just mm -hmm. there's, something, there's something you can let's do an album and sort of get a bunch of different feels and uh moods yeah plus you do the uh the, the the instrumental intro track which i'm always a fan of yes we did do that for for sludge life one uh that album we put out in 2019 yeah, yeah sludge life is the the title track on that one and it was just that was just a song that i was like i don't feel that this needs lyrics you know and like i liked it as it was it was nice and heavy it's still one of my favorite songs, honestly. And it's it I like playing it in the set because it gives me a chance to like breathe and like rest my throat for like just the mm -hmm. little you know. Yeah. Long enough to where I can get through the set. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, I mean uh, since we're talking about that, like that that draw as far as I remember came out on four twenty in twenty nineteen. Um, what was it like putting that album together? Like, because um, I think Prior to that, it was just a bunch of it was just a bunch of singles coming out and whatnot, right? There wasn't any yeah, we were secret just putting, EP or anything. We were just putting stuff up on Bandcamp as it came out, mm -hmm. and then I think like we the old EP. Yeah, there was four that were up on Bandcamp, and yeah. then there were six on the final cut of the album, and um, you know, but the, they had changed between what you heard on Bandcamp and what was like mastered and put through on uh, on the album, but yeah, that. That process was real cool. I had never done that before. Jimmy had done that with a couple of other bands, gone and recorded. Danny, you weren't there. Yeah, I joined uh, in January. <laughs> yeah, he's new here. Oh, okay. I don't know why I just pointed to him. Like, Dan <laughs> wasn't around. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it was cool. And I remember our, our, our first drummer, Kevin, he had never done anything like that either. So it was a definite learning curve oh, yeah. for us. Um, and I, you know, for for me it was just like i'm in a studio oh my god i'm recording an album for my band oh my god i am in a studio and it was yeah. just it was really exciting <laughs> that's a good uh, engineer too yeah. yeah like we we work with the same engineer still and like mm -hmm. you know he's a great dude and uh because we were talking about it like before you play a baritone guitar because the band does not have a bassist that's so, true <laughs> so can you elaborate on that? 
Because I'm so used to like, oh, we're bass and drum only, especially like in this scene. And yeah. now it's like, oh, we're going for the baritone. Like, oh, that's interesting. We're definitely the oddballs, I feel. Like, it was honestly a fluke because like, I played guitar. I've always played guitar. Um, and originally I didn't play the baritone for up until this year, I was playing on a Fender Jaguar. So we were two guitars and drums no bass and like the jaguar was really beefy and you know it it put out a lot but you know you definitely didn't have the, the heavy bottom end and it just so happened that like my dad got this gnl like it because he is a like a guitar guy like just a like boomer hobbyist you know like <laughs> trainer trading stuff online with other boomer dads uh and he came across this gnl and it's got these like nasty pickups in it and he's like do you yeah he's like do you want to try this and i was like sure so he sent it to me and uh i plugged it in and i was like oh my god because it was like it was exactly what i wanted without going one step further into just like playing a bass because like i don't want to lose any like the high end but I want a lot of the low end. I want to be able to play like a full guitar. On top of that, I had looked into, there's like Fender and Squire make these, make these guitars called like uh, the bass six guitars. And it's like a bass, but it's set up like a guitar and there's six strings on it. And it's gnarly. And this was the closest thing to that, that I found that like, you know, I didn't have to buy. GNL is George and Leo Fender. And so well, that's yeah. a whole other story how GNL came about with yeah. copywriting and stuff like that. So it's like a Fender, but it's uh but it's a GNL and like I I like it a lot. It puts it, it's really beefy. It puts out a lot of noise and like people do think it's a bass, you know. <laughs> Which is, I certainly did. Yeah. People think it's a bass. So, you know, like it's doing its job. And a nice register. It is. Yeah. It's it's heavy as fuck though. Oh, so it's like, really, it's really heavy. It like every couple of weeks I get like a like an issue with my shoulder, just like <laughs> from how heavy this fucking baritone is. But it's all right. I'll deal with it. Just gotta remember to ice. I know. Gotta keep it. Got gotta do the what is it? Rice, like rest, ice, compression, elevation, whatever yep. it is. Obviously, you took some time in between releases. Um, at as I think many of us took time to, you know, oh, because sure. we kind of had to, uh, <laughs> but you did put out an EP last year called Two Towers, and you're currently uh, getting ready to put out another album this year called Impermanence. Um, so what was it like uh, recording the EP and what's the what's it been like doing the new album compared to uh, putting out the first one? Well, the EP uh, was interesting because we had found ourselves uh, without a drummer and we had the, the studio date and it was just like, do we cancel this? Do we want to put out music? Like, and it was just like, you know, screw it. Like, let's put the music out and just release something because we hadn't so long. And like, you know, Jim and I are married and like, we live together. So it's like through the pandemic, it's like our, like we're creating this music, trying to like do something. We finally like have a song that we really like and believe in. And then like we ended up losing our drummer and like, 
it was unfortunate, but it was just like, we got to do it for ourselves. And the, the thought process was literally just like, we'll do this. We'll put out this EP and we'll add uh, a previously recorded, but unreleased track. And like we, so we just put out the new single, which was Cemetery Swans. The way that that one was recorded was that our engineer, Doug White at Watchman Studios, actually, he just listened to the song a bunch and he's a fucking genius and like used robots and drum libraries to like <laughs> make us you know, and it sounds it sounds good but like you can tell like i think it was the guy who's it's the, the guy from uh it's steve gad from steely, steely dan's dan. drum steely dan yeah it's his drum library that's on oh, okay we if we put that song on the album we'll probably re-record it obviously yeah. because we have yeah, dan now like and we've gone over it and restructured it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it sounds yeah. totally different now. Oh, yeah, um, but yeah, it was just... Got more life in it. Yeah. It was more like, so like we're at this juncture, like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, and, you know, we were talking to each other and just like, let's just go for it. We'll release it. We'll put it out there just to have something out there. And then we can use that to find a new drummer. To advertise, yeah. And yeah. like, like a trap, it worked because here he is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we started looking in december and i think he joined the band in like the middle of january first week yeah. of january yeah rock and roll. yeah it was like literally the start of the year yeah and yeah that that's when i was uh trying out and seeing yeah. if we all clicked and everything so and like the first time that we jammed together i was you know he lives two streets over we had no idea because we'd like just moved here from from an apartment like in the city and he lived like two streets yeah. over and was like and I, road, yeah. I told him i was just like if you're if you're cool with us and like you trust us in a couple of in a couple of weeks or whatever you can uh you know you can leave your drum kit here don't worry about it and like he's like cool i'll see you guys next week and just left his <laughs> drum kit like <laughs> and i was like okay first first okay yeah. cool <laughs> and yeah, then, I, so. okay good <laughs> good and then uh and then, like the second or third practice, I was like, "I, I would love if you, you know, like, we would love for you to be in the band." He was just like, "Yeah," like he like knew, <laughs> like he like already in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where that EP led us. And in the time, so since January, I think we've written probably close to, oh god, eighteen, nineteen songs. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah we're just banging them. Yeah, yeah. So we, we got a lot in the works. They're not all finished, but. We vibe mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we vibe really well together, and it's like, you know, it's like when that that feeling you feel when like finally like all the pieces of the puzzle like come mm -hmm. together, and it's like it's working. So, uh, not that you know previous in, you know eras of the band didn't. It's just that this one works the best and is, in my opinion, the best. It seemed to be it's pretty not prolific. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, but yeah, I've had a lot of bands say like, "There's the that moment where you're like, oh shit, that's working out. I like the way this feels." It's definitely changing. Like oh, yeah. the like having his drums is like, and just not only like his drums, but like he's super like into the band in like a way that we're into the band, and like you know, like he's very enthusiastic about writing and about showing up, like. I don't think he's ever missed practice, like, ever. And, like, normally I'm, like, the most, like, understanding person. Like, if you have to, like, skip out or ditch or whatever, I'm just like, cool, whatever, no Things pressures. Yeah. 
things come up, but like it's never been, you know, an issue. And like it's been really cool raiding together too because like Oh yeah, process is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And for me me for one, and I know they pretty much agree, it's like music is like therapy for us. Mm -hmm. So when we start playing and it makes the day better once we're done. No matter how tired we get, um, you know, we might play a, a lot throughout the night and just be physically tired, but mentally it brings us back up. That's for sure. And then, like, just even the way that Dan drums now, it makes it easier for the writing process to happen. You mean double kick. Yeah. And then, like, he's got this gnarly, like, double bass drum, and I call it the last chopper out of Nam because that's what it sounds like. It's just like... <laughs> just imminent just and like i love get to the chop <laughs> very influenced by like gene hoagland and like uh dave lombardo nice and that kind of stuff but grew up with like slot slayer gojira mm-hmm. mashuga stuff like that yeah i was just i was like thinking you were talking about doing the, like with the the drum programming thing like i was thinking of that dude from mashuga because he's got like yeah. his whatever it's called like the drum At- kit from hell oh yeah or something like that. Yep. I don't remember. That's it. Looking forward to seeing them again. Are you going to see Mashuga? I am. I'm. I'm uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, mostly because I haven't seen Converge yet. I'm happy to. That's tr- right. Check that off. Yeah, oh my fun. god! I forgot about that tour. It's gnarly. I think the closest one to us is is in New York, right? Probably. Probably. <laughs> it's either New York or Ohio, but Ohio. Released, yeah. They've been on my list to see for a long time. I used to blast Meshuggah at like hungover frat boys who lived in the house next to the punk house. Just some bleed. Just like, oh my god, <laughs> like ten in the morning because they would be up until like six thirty, fucking screaming their heads off and like drinking like crazy. And we we had real jobs. Like bad cars like, of always. So I'd get up to go to work. <laughs> I get up to go to work and I would just set my speakers towards their window, fucking blast Meshuggah and leave. <laughs> it's weird though because like we have so many influences. So like one day we'll we'll. Like, I'll be thinking of Mashuga when we're playing a song. And the next day, I'll be like, I want to sound like the cult today. Like, it's just like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or, like, or like, let's do something poppier, like Nirvana, like for this one section. And like, I don't know, just, you know, it's weird. It, it's, it's, influences, yeah. it's weird, too, because it's not weird. It's actually really cool that like what we had on our first album, I feel like it's so like it's very similar. And it's like right in the same vein of like who we still sound like. But I feel that like the music itself has evolved to where it's just like, oh, yeah. there are some times where I'm just like, we have elements of death. We have elements of grind. We have elements of thrash and like grunge and all metal. Like, and it's kind of just all in this like metal milieu that like, we just vibe in that little, in that little space. This dance skill also, my playing life allows me to open up a lot more. There's a lot more I can do now with Dan playing drums is you can, you know, do it. You can double changes and just rhythm stuff, and it's and I'm I'm excited to a lot of fun to get back into the studio and start um, getting some more tracks out there for people to check out some of the new stuff. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I and I can like hear that I that idea of you know like oh we're feeling this today even on uh, on Sludge Life for sure. And you've just put out another track from the upcoming one. It's called Open Secret, um, which I felt like had a little bit more of like a harsher, like hardcore vocal approach, sort of like a Mike Nine sort of spit to it. 
And like, yeah. you know, a bit topical considering like once again, women are expected to carry the load without a stop for a uh, breath of air along the way. We literally went to record it like three days after they were like, hey, they're probably going to re- like remove all your rights. And I was like, <laughs> cool, cool, fun. Got to do something um, about it. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, and with the vocals on that, I wanted, like, it's funny you say like Mike Nine, but like, I, I wanted like Dax Riggs, Acid Bath. That was where I was going for like, specific, like, I wanted almost like the vocal effect from Chief Vodka, but like I couldn't, like we couldn't quite figure out how they did it other than that's just how his voice sounds, you know? Like, is he singing at the Stag Singer room or is that? I don't remember. I don't remember. Like in my, in my head, it sounds like it's not him, but whatever. I was going to say, actually, I got like a little, I got some acid bath vibes and I'm, I'm glad I, I thought correctly on that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I love Acid Bath. I've been listening to them a lot this summer, like <laughs> driving around in my in my little station wagon. There's like a grocery gutter and like the windows are all rolled up and inside <laughs> it's just like songs about murder and like <laughs> getting loaded. <laughs> Macabre shit. Yeah. Just like hacking people up with an axe. <laughs> You know, since you've started now, like you've uh, had the opportunity to play with some like pretty big names, uh, people who roll through town. Like I, you play with You're the Cobra and Voivod, right? Yeah, we just did that back in June. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, on top of like being in this band, like I'm also like a promoter and I've been mm. booking on and off for like, I don't know, a, a long time, but like pre-pandemic, um, I was pretty, pretty active in bringing a lot of like the bigger, not like, I might say like the more well-known like doom bands and mm-hmm. like, some like lower have, I don't know, sorry, excuse me, some, some of like the metal uh, genres through if they were going to go on tour and like that was that was really cool because like i i booked year of the cobra before and i've also booked way before and like on you know separate tours and so when um we got asked to play that show i was like that's awesome i i've worked with them before and like i was happy to like you know catch up with people like boy i never met before you know like that wasn't what that show that we booked was they were on tour the, the tour that I booked, they were on tour with Yab and Amon Ra. Amazing, but it was a bigger show. And, like, I wasn't able to, like, meet meet Voivod. I met Amon Ra, I think. And they were so fucking good. And, yeah, that um, band rules. <laughs> yeah, that's, they're hands down my favorite, like, probably my favorite band. Um, I have no idea what the hell he's saying because I don't speak the, what, like, he sings in a couple different languages. And I and I don't know what he's saying most of the time, but man, do I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is like, you know, screaming bloody fucking murder so yeah. most of the time. So I get it. But yeah, yeah. He, I think they did like, I don't know, maybe it was like in Flemish or something. I don't remember. It was, yeah. it was definitely abstract and strange and weird as they are. That last one was in Flemish. The, the Dorn Doom. I can't remember how to pronounce it. Great album. Yeah. Love yeah. it. But yeah, so yeah, we got to play with with uh, 
Voivod and Year of the Cobra, and the show was awesome. Like, Voivod was amazing, and I would just remember, like, watching them just being like, I fucking love metal! I fucking love metal! <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool. We'll bring it back. Yeah, and uh, earlier in the year, we actually, we played with Crowbar when they came through, and that was our first nice. show. It was our first show back after the pandemic. We hadn't played in two years, or, Yeah. yeah. We hadn't played in two years at that point, so it was uh, it was it was emotional and also super fun. Oh, yeah, super fun. Yeah, had a blast. Yeah. Side note: Just saw Crowbar because they cool. rolled through town the other day uh, with um, Spirit Adrift, and uh, also got to see my friends in Somnuri, and there was oh, another cool. band that opened. Uh, up, it was like a Long Island uh, death metal band called Stabbed. I love death metal bands. <laughs> um, I just heard them a, a little bit from uh, outside because I, when I got there, um, but they sounded like they were pretty damn good. Um, so I'm nerdy kicked ass. It was great to, to see them again. Second time I've seen Spirit Adrift. You know, they rule. But man, it was fucking hot. Like, hands down, the fucking most sweaty concert i've ever been to it was I believe it. disgusting like Gross. there were a lot of big sweaty crowbar fans there <laughs> yeah i know them i know them <laughs> <laughs> you know them yeah they take up a lot of space oh and they're all wearing crowbar shirts <laughs> yeah, so but uh they were good despite the uh the eternal moisture uh, of the evening um but that's really cool uh, that you got to play with them. So like, you know, I've been upstate New York a number of times, like kind of more in the Rochester area. And there's like a very strong music scene, like over there, like of all types. And like, you know, in the surrounding areas and whatnot, like I know King Buffalo is from Rochester, but like does Buffalo, the the town, do they come out as hard for bands as they do their sports teams? Because I feel like you'll really like your sports teams. It depends on the show. Yeah. It depends yeah. On the show a lot. One of those things. It's definitely people love music here and there is a good scene and there are really good bands in the scene that like deserve a lot of credit. Um, but Buffalo is also plagued with like being a drinking town. I mean, like. The sports and chicken wings overpower sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes football takes precedent over, over music and like. That's like my only real tiff about it is that it's like it you like if I if like we're playing a show or if like I book a show or something like that, like I have to take into account like is this on a Sunday? Is this on a Saturday? When are the bills playing? I don't even know. Like because people might not show up. It's August. I completely forgot that preseason happens, and Summer's like over. yeah, and football. like people are back to watching football now. And like yeah. I'm like oh okay. I think there used to be more of a deathcore scene too a couple of years ago that I remember being seeing a lot of shows at like the funeral home and all and yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff and it, I feel like that's kind of not as big anymore. Still got bands that come in and play to their fans and everything like that. But I think that we're I think that it's there. Which yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. It's scattered. It's, scattered. it's, around, yeah. it's like a and I don't want to say that it doesn't exist or that it's not ideal because like in truth like you know like with the pandemic and everything like 
I stopped. I like kind of like went away and hit. So like, I yeah. honestly don't know 100% the climate of the current scene. It might've been um, it too. Yeah. But like, yeah, people still aren't back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. The shows that I have been to and have grown, like I see, like there's people who are just like, well, I'm going to come out here and do this. This is, you know, this is what I want to do. But there's still like, there's still like some, like, I guess, reticence about like coming out in public and being around people still post pandemic, even with masks and vaccinations and stuff. Like people are like, oh, we, you know, don't mm-hmm. need to wear masks in certain, you know, like they don't require it anymore. It's like, I work in venues sometimes and like i'll still wear a mask it's just because like being around so many people it's it's just more about like i'm trying to protect everybody from from the stuff you know i don't know how everyone else feels about it you know like and i think that there's still like some uneasiness out there yeah i think it's a mixed bag you know it's like even like I went to see author and Punisher at St. Vitus and like, it was definitely not sold out. Like it was a nice, it was a good turnout. Like it was a great show, but it was definitely not like the most sold out versus crowbar where I was like, you know, <laughs> literally like walking there, like you could look up and there was condensation on the ceiling, like, oh, <laughs> you, know, you know, like it's Some just, it, it's like a world of difference, you know, like what just like 50 people will do in a room, you know, that's gross. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just sort of like, what do you want to do? And like, I get it, you know, and sometimes people are just like, I don't know. They, you know, they don't want to go out. So, you know, but there's other ways to support bands that, you know, oh, if you're still not a hundred percent back to that. So beyond the new album, do you have anything else in the works right now? Or are you, you know, do you have any shows coming up? Anything like that? Right now, just writing music. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, we shot a video for open secret, uh, at the beginning of the summer and we're just like still working on that. We're going to release that soon. Don't have a release date in mind, but, it's like vaguely soon so mm-hmm. but then we're gonna go to the studio uh in september we've got two dates in september so i think like originally we were just gonna like try to record all the drum stuff on one day and like do guitar stuff for the rest of the album but i think that we want to try to record two different singles that we can release bef- you know or at least just have ready to release Cause I like, I like sharing the, the music with people and I want to share with them beyond just like a practice video or a practice recording, yeah. you know, like if, if we're going into the studio, I mean, the, the time is ours. So it's like, we might as well make something out of it. It's tough for us not to share too. Cause like yeah. we, we enjoy <laughs> listening to it as much as everyone else. So yeah. like we, we like making music that we like to jam to and <laughs> that we dig so yeah. yeah we get really excited about it like in like a weird nerdy way I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well have you been listening to anything lately of note that you uh want to share it is music on my job that's pretty much <laughs> oh man yeah uh let's see i think it's stuck in my head oh well, let's see i mean like, like i said i have been listening to a lot of acid bath recently as far as like newer bands they don't have anything new out at the moment, I don't think, but uh, our buddies in Sunrot, they... Ah! Uh, yeah. My, my homies! They're your my homies, ho- too? My homies from the homeland of New Jersey. Yeah. See, Love them. 
love them to death. I love to listen to them. And like, they're just so like goals as a band. Mm -hmm. Not only like what they sound like, but just who they are as people. They're just great people. Yeah, I love them. I, I we saw them at a, a festival a few years ago. It was like a small festival, and just sort of like kept up with them. And they've been on the pod. They were on the podcast uh, in 2020. They they were so fucking funny too. Yeah, they're they're goofs. They're little goofballs. <laughs> uh, let's see. What have I listened to? We'll run through this quick. Uh, Janice from Body Void turned me on to a band called Haunted Horses. This is like industrial punk. Uh, cool. Loved, loved it. Thought it was great. Uh, the new Two Mold EP, Aperture of Body, is awesome. They got a bunch of synths in it. I'm a big fan of that. I listened to The End is Growing Near by Panopticon. I mean, it's Panopticon. It's always good. New Ether Coven album, uh, The Relationship Between Hammer and Nail, is very good. Uh, I listened to an album by this band called Defect Designer, which is just like insane metal. Like it's just an extreme metal band. The album's called Neanderthal. Um, I don't remember exactly who's in it, but I think it's like long timers from the scene. I listened to Greg Anderson's solo album, Forest Nocturne, which was pretty good. I checked out the band. Uh, oh man, I got to remember how to say this. It's like, it's like Simandi. They are like a old school, like kind of reggae dub, African music, uh, psychedelic band. Really cool. <laughs> band fucking rules. I listened to Green River for the first time. Fucking unreal. Can't Fuck believe yeah, I never listened Green to that. Yeah, oh. I'm really into that, uh, the early grunge stuff. Like, I don't know if you've listened to uh, the, the Deep Six album, <coughs> which is like, it's a... It's a famous grunge compilation album, and it's got like Green River, Melvin, Soundgarden, the U-Men, and this is before like any of them are like, and it's it's a good compilation album. Green River is so fucking good. Oh my god, it's so it good. good. Yeah, uh, I listened to this all female death metal band called Castrator. Amazing name. Thank you, Dean Rispler. <laughs> Uh, I listened to the new Pup album. That was good. Uh, I listened to this band called Whalen Storms, which is like folky, doomy, heavy stuff. And I listened to this uh, UK doom band called Commoner. They just popped up out of nowhere. Thought that was pretty good. And a new Boris album, which is called Heavy Rocks, which I think is like their fourth or fifth album called Heavy Rocks. Maybe more, maybe less. <laughs> um, this is a more riff forward Boris album and like, I mean, I loved it. <laughs> you know, I'm a Boris fan, so I don't like love everything they've done, but They're cool. when they when they make a good album, they make a good album. So that's what I've been listening to. They rip. And of course, uh, Nine Layers Deep. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about them. Well, thank you. You're, you must be one of our uh, 20 monthly listeners this month. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you want to plug, like tell people where they can find you and whatnot? I just, I guess you can find us on Instagram and also TikTok. Uh, we're venturing into TikTok now. Ooh. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's a weird. <laughs> TikTok is fucking weird. I mean, like. New frontier. I, I mean, like, I'm not that old, but man, it makes me feel so old. Like, when I'm, like, scrolling through, and I'm like, that's a literal child. And I'm like, and that's a child. And I feel weird now that I don't want to be, <laughs> like, and then I have to, like, 
hey, listen to my band. I'm an old person. I'm way older than you. <laughs> it's weird, though. It does feel like uh, other social media is kind of like a ghost town at this point. Yeah. 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 It's it's what the weirdest thing that I've noticed is, um, and I I probably mentioned this earlier, more recently, is just like how much of a shift like Instagram has gone through because like you I used to I would discover bands by following photographers and just be like looking at these like incredible pictures that they would post from shows. That's a great way to find bands, right? And you're like, wow, that band looks fucking insane. I gotta like check that out, like whoever yeah. it is. And now I look at those same photographers um, and I see them getting like fewer and fewer likes on their pictures. Same with me. Like I do photography too, but recently I've been uploading reels and like they're the new thing. And it's like, well, that's cool. But now I'm going to have like a bunch of videos on my phone. I'm going to run out of fucking memory, you know, for a platform that started off as like, a picture could literally like make you go viral that that just does not exist anymore because they're all kind of parroting short form content, video content and stuff like that. Yeah. And content is one of my least favorite words. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's like a business kind of say we content. It's very, it's very soulless for yeah. sure. And, yeah. uh, but, but the thing that I, that like, you know, with the reels is like, like you had said, like, I'll make that and like all of a sudden there's all these things that pop up, you know, like we made a reel like of just us playing and we put it up like Sunday morning and I, it just, it happened to be like, I wanted to get up earlier and post it, but I just posted it at like 10 o'clock when I got up and like, like not even 20 minutes later, it was like over 1500 views. And I was like, that's a glitch. That's not, <laughs> I was like, that's no, no man. That's, and then I refreshed like... it was like 2000 and I was like, what? <laughs> And like it's gotten over four thousand, and like that's the most views our shit has ever gotten. And I was just like, something broke. I'm like, something got broken. Like, how did we, how did we do that? Yeah, but like in two years, they're gonna like change how it works, and they're gonna be like, well, now you have to put like a lot of emojis in your captions, and that's oh, how yeah. we're qualifying this now. Who cares about views? All numbers game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You do it. What you write in it is just it's, playing a game. As I see it, as it's dumb and it sucks too. Because like when you're a band, like you're just trying to like focus on your music and like the art that you're creating, and like yeah, you want to connect with people and you have to promote yourself. You so, gotta get on the internet. So you gotta get on the internet, and it's like then there's all these stupid rules about how you have to promote yourself and like in order to be seen, and it feels kind of disingenuine. But, like, at the same time, it's just, like, we're all just out here trying to, like, navigate the same waters. And it's, like, you know, I don't want to spend as much time as I have been, like, making reels just for no one to see them. You know what I mean? When Instagram's telling me that, you know, people are going to see them. You know, it's, it's just so weird. And then when it comes to, like, getting booked on shows for, like, local bands what the bigger tours are looking for, like their agencies, their management, that stuff, even the labels, like they're looking for like how many Spotify followers you have in a month or like what your TikTok or your Instagram audience is. And it's like, 
that kind of sucks. I mean, I get it. It's because, an adaptation of it, I guess. Because yeah. either like you have to sing or you have to do it, or no, and then it's like it's a, it's a safer swing. You have to adapt or and like I, I, I was just playing the game. You have and to like, build your own brand, kind of. Uh, yeah. Things, like before find your niche in that. Yeah. They, it's basically they just want to make sure that like you have an audience. You know, I personally don't understand how like where like a global audience like a worldwide digital global audience translates to physical people who buy tickets and attend a local event. Yeah. You know, like that's where like the bridge I'm not connecting with between that, that logic. I mean, if, if that's what they're looking for, then, you know, that's just what they're looking for, you know? Yep. I mean, I, I think that's pretty much it, you know, and that's why like, Dave Mustaine gets to be like making videos of him being like, oh man, I can't see without my glasses on what brand of toothpaste to get. And that's why yeah. he makes those videos. Cause it's like yeah. it's fucking Dave Mustaine. He's going to have a huge following regardless. He can just do exactly that. So did we want to follow Dave Mustaine around and like find out about his tooth toothpaste chronicles? <laughs> Not really. Like inevitably somebody's going to send it to me anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to wind up seeing it secondhand. That's how I see all this shit, you know? So, well, I don't have any other questions. Um, so I thank you for coming on and thank you for oh, taking time out of your evening to talk to me about uh, Nine Layers Deep. And uh, for all the listeners out there, just keep your eyes and ears peeled for the new album and give them a follow on Instagram and check them out on Bandcamp. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, for thanks for us. having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, have a good day, man. My pleasure, and that'll do it for this chapter of The Diary.